right, folks, welcome back to the Point Being Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Zelaya. I am joined today by a small businesswoman and uh, the CEO and founder of Creative Kind, Teresa Delaney. Teresa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Teresa Delaney. I am the co-owner and founder of Creative Kind, which is a business started here in Tucson. We currently have a brick and mortar storefront location at Lawn Cantata Mall in the Catalina Foothills. Uh, not open at the moment, of course, but typically our doors are open uh, Tuesday through Sunday. And we're essentially a mix of experiential and um, inspiration-based retail. So we carry a lot of local makers, a lot of paper goods and gift items, um, but we also do craft and DIY workshops. You can come in and learn how to do a macrame wall hanging or a floral arrangement or watercolor or hand lettering, um, with the purpose being of gathering people together in a space to interact with each other in person, face-to-face, and also gather inspiration from other small businesses and makers and find things that if you're not feeling necessarily creative on your own, um, you can support the creativity of others and share it with your loved ones through gift giving or through even just getting things for yourself to have around your home. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. So obviously you kind of alluded to it in your answer. Your storefront is obviously right now not open um, like pretty much everything uh, with the COVID-19 crisis affecting everything nationally. Um, what, what kind of have you had to change in the last month now um, to kind of make things viable for your business going, uh, going forward in this tumultuous and kind of unforeseeable future? Yeah, I think it might be quicker to address what we haven't changed in the last few there weeks. But the quick overview is essentially, like I mentioned, we're a brick and mortar space. We had a small online presence for selling our workshop seats, but really didn't have a very robust e-commerce platform. Um, and we were really built around our purpose and our mission to bring people together face to face. So how do you take that very intentional curated experience from being in person with people and bringing them into a meticulously designed atmosphere and take it online and give them that same or something close to it as far as a meaningful experience through an online platform. Um, so that's been our, you know, small challenge to, to tackle. So we've had to really quickly adapt and change our event format to online, doing Zoom events, changing our pricing structure with the inability to provide all the materials for events. Um, a lot of our makers are not producing right now. So getting inventory, not getting inventory is also been an interesting balance of how do we know if people are shopping or what they're looking for. So adapting to that over the last few weeks has been interesting. It's just different shopping trends than when people are coming in person. Um, but getting all of that online and we're still working through a lot of kinks with our e-commerce and with doing so much more shipping than we were previously. Uh, but for the most part, it's been improving that online presence, getting our e-commerce products listed and the details up there and just keeping in touch with our community and making sure that they feel connected to us still um, and to what we're, what we're doing to stay alive through all of it. And you, you talk about that connection with the community and you talked about the, the kind of events over zoom, which by the way, this podcast is, is being conducted over just because being safe, social distancing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
what do those uh, what what do those events kind of look like? Give us a little bit of an overview. Walk us through that. Sure. So we essentially have three different event types we've been doing online. Uh, the first is our traditional workshops that we do in the shop and have been doing for about four years before we were even a brick and mortar retailer. Uh, so we brought our standard DIY workshops online where we have an instructor teaching you how to make something from start to finish. And that's typically about an hour. We'd love to have people do it live and come on to the Zoom with us so they can ask questions and interact with us. It makes it more fun for us, but also for people attending, but also more productive because you can ask live questions and get that feedback while you're working through it. Um, and we're doing our best to get people supply lists and access to the materials they would need to do it uh, with us during that time. So that's our main one. And those are our paid events. They're 15 to $20 a class. We do $20 if we're bringing in a guest instructor from the community so that we can split the product that's with them or the revenue really and then um, $15 for the ones that we're teaching internally so we can keep the cost a little bit lower and then we have two free options actually so we're doing crafty hours once a week so Wednesday afternoons usually we do kind of a craft happy hour and we just encourage people to hop on zoom with us and do an easy project like you know just like doodling with watercolors coloring pages um, things like that and then we're doing free family Fridays as well. So those are like a 30 minute, super kid friendly project that we do uh, for families to tune in on Friday afternoons and do something different with their kids and entertain them for 30 minutes to an hour. Um, but things like painting Easter eggs or tie dye. Um, I think we're gonna do something patriotic for Memorial Day coming up. So those are kind of, our, we wanted to have something that, a few things that were free, for people to tune into while they're home and then have some of our traditional workshops available as well. That's really cool. That's, I, I think that's really cool that you kind of theme things along with the holidays and seasonally what's going on. Thank you. Very nice. So let's talk a little bit then about who's running those things. You talked about bringing in people from out of, uh, you know, kind of out, out of your guys's employee base. Um, have you found that you've needed to uh, bring more people on since this has happened? Have you had to let people go? Give us the kind of sense of those small business decisions. Yeah, so we typically have a small staff of part-time support employees. So right now, it's just my business partner and I, Hillary. She's also our events director. So we are handling everything at the moment. Um, we typically have two to three part-time shop associates that help us. Uh, they are not working with us right now because of everything that's going on. We don't need a lot of uh, sales floor support. So it's just me and Hillary right now running everything. And um, we do bring in guest instructors to help teach a few classes that we want to highlight them for and kind of um, give them some revenue streams while the shop's a little bit slower and we're not doing the in-person events. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, we, we did cut back on staffing. We're lucky to be a fairly lean operation in comparison to a lot of other companies, even other small businesses, that we could do that and we're still able to um, be super functional and cover a lot of the tasks that are needed. Talk to me a little bit then about um, some of the federal aid programs, uh, state aid programs. Um, have you, has your business been applying for those? Um, have you received any sort of assistance? Where are you at as far as that goes? Absolutely. So we are applying for everything. Um, just like everyone else, I think we're trying to see what the, what the options are and the resources. So we applied for the EIDL, which is the Economic Impact Disaster Loan, I believe is the acronym yes. for it. And we did get the advance for that, thankfully. Um, so we're hoping that's an indicator that 
more money will come. We're not really sure what that looks like, but we got the application for that one in really early. It was pretty easy. They asked for operational costs and reports, things like that. And that money just showed up in the bank account last week. So we got really lucky. Magic. It wasn't a lot, but it's, I'll take what we can get at this point. Yeah, magic. Something like that. <laughs> um, not the word I'd use for the government right now, but you know, similar. And then we also applied for the paycheck loan. We didn't get into the first round like most small businesses, um, but it seems like there's definitely wheels turning to get more funding approved for that. So we're holding out hope that we will get some funding from the paycheck coverage as well. That's good to hear. So talk to us a little bit about any community help that you've received. Has there been, I know that uh, you were the recipient of a Kiva loan as well, right? We were. So we've been working with Community Investment Corp for a few months now. And I highly, highly recommend anyone, any other small business owner that's currently struggling to figure out their financing options um, anytime, but especially during the crisis, talk to them because they are so, so helpful. And they are quite literally a community organization here to help small businesses find alternative financing. So we've been working with them for a few months on making plans and creating a financial plan to open a second location um, in Phoenix for this year, which is probably not going to happen anymore. But the good news was that as an initial milestone for working up to a larger loan with them, we went through the Kiva campaign process and right before all of this kind of blew up, we were submitting that for approval and really getting it pushed through. Um, and essentially what Kiva is, it's a nonprofit organization, Kiva.org, and they are like Kickstarter, but instead of it being donation-based crowdfunding, it's loan-based, which was the path I wanted to take because we are a for-profit business. Um, so it's loan-based, but you do community support. So the first stage of applying for Kiva, campaign or Kiva loan is you fill in a lot of information. Um, they pre-qualify you for certain amounts. And then eventually, I think right now are being a little bit more lenient and putting more time into doing more unique reviews of applications versus going off the algorithm approval, because mm -hmm. we did get approved for a lower amount initially based on our margins. And then once we went through the process, we had CIC supporting us and working with our reviewer as well. We ended up getting approved for twice as much as we were algorithm approved for so we got to do a full campaign for 15,000 and which is huge and a huge help for us and essentially we went through an initial crowdfunding stage where we had to get 30 people to lend us $25 or more so there wasn't a certain amount in place but we just need to get 30 people on there and that's essentially to show community support or that you have a network of support to help your business succeed um, and then from there we went through that one really quickly um, and then we opened up to the Kiva platform and there's people that are very active on Kiva globally and they give all the time and they give a lot. So we ended up with about 180 different lenders, a lot of whom we didn't know. Um, and we hit our goal in just a couple of days. So that's a resource we now have. We already have the funds from it and we have six months to start paying it back. And then we pay it back over, I think, 36 months from there. Congratulations. Thank you. That is really cool. It's good to hear uh, good news stories like that in a, a time like this, for sure. Um, and along with that good news, can you kind of let people know what they can kind of expect or, you know, as much as you can, you can foretell right now, what they can expect out of creative kind uh, in this, in this uncertain future? Sure. So initially that funding or, you know, the loan based funding, 
was planned to help us achieve some initial milestones for that expansion. So not so much covering operational expenses that we have in place already, but adding on to them, like adding a new shop employee, um, investing in some website improvements, some digital advertising, doing some experiments in Phoenix to test the market up there. Little things we wanted to put in place um, to look into opening that second spot. So now we're looking at a very different future than we had initially anticipated for May through the end of the year. And so we're figuring out what that looks like as far as how much of this, with so much uncertainty as far as financing we'll get, renewing our lease, like all of these things that are very up in the air right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working on figuring out how do we balance making sure we have this money to cover our absolutely baseline overhead expenses like rent and payroll and things like that. Um, any inventory we absolutely need utilities, things like that. And how do we balance that with putting at least some of it into that growth priority? So how do we use it for some website improvements and some e-commerce improvements? And if we're going to be doing holiday online, there's definitely some things that we need to fix and improve to make sure that that season goes smoothly. If that's our only um, sales channel come November, December. So there's a lot of things to consider. We are hoping and we're optimistic that we'll come out of it with a more well-rounded business model. We'll have a much stronger e-commerce platform. We'll have better relationships with people that were formerly outside of our geographic reach because we're forced to do so much more online and virtual. And we are getting people in our online workshops that are in other places, which is really fun because they wouldn't have been able to come to an event previously um, or people that are home with their kids and they couldn't come because they're in Tucson, but they just don't have the access to, you know, drop everything and come spend two or three hours with us. So we're getting to connect with new people. We're getting to do a lot of um, fun personal things like sending out care kits for people and they write notes for us for our mystery care kits, especially we're doing kind of these little packs where they're super affordable, like 20 to $60, depending on how much you want to spend. And we'll curate a little themed gift box for someone um, called a mystery care kit. And people will just put notes in saying like, oh, she's having a really hard time. Her family's in a different state, but she really loves dogs and wine and going on hikes. And can you just, she loves, can you put something together to send to her and write this little note with it? Um, so we're actually getting to have really fun personal interactions with people we wouldn't have otherwise. And that's kind of supplementing that in-store experience we normally have with people coming in to shop for their friends. So it's interesting to see it all kind of transition to an online format and how things carry over and how things don't. But yeah, the goal is really just to come out of it with stronger relationships, a stronger model. Um, obviously, like most small businesses, we're going to be struggling a little bit to offset the loss of revenue with plans to grow. Um, so we're going to have to kind of stall a little bit on those plans and catch back up financially to get back on our feet with just our existing expenses. Um, but we, you know, we're, we're doing it. We're working on it. So I think things will be relatively normal, if not a little bit better once things flatten out a little. Well, that sounds like a, a pretty good forecast and, and hopefully yeah, smooth sailing. <laughs> hopefully it's smooth sailing and uh, not, not too rough of seas from here on out for both you and the rest of the economy. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for joining me uh, this this afternoon. 
before I, I get going, why don't I, I let you go ahead and let our listeners know uh, where they can kind of get in contact with you, both on social media, uh, online, and where they might be able to find uh, creative kind events uh, from here going forward. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So we are at creativekindshop.com. Um, a lot of our in-store products are up on there. We're doing shop curbside pickup as well as a lot of good free shipping options, um, depending on what you order. We are doing the gift boxes and mystery care kits and home craft kits as well. So if you are looking to be creative at home, we've got some really fun um, in-house made kits for embroidery and wall hangings and painting. Um, and that's all at creativekindshop.com. And then we're also on Instagram and Facebook at creativekindshop. And it's me and Hillary running all those accounts. So if you're DMing us or messaging with us where I turned my notifications on for Instagram, that's the point we've reached in it. So we're super <laughs> available. Um, we're on there all the time and we're chatting with people every day and um, trying our best to keep everyone updated and um, in the loop on what's going on and sharing what we are seeing other people do as well. So yeah, at Creative Kind Shop, we're super available and accessible. So hopefully people can find us on there and find something fun to support small business and shop local. Excellent. Teresa, again, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, definitely jump on there, creativekindshop.com. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to do it now just because, you know, hey, I, I got to support local businesses. It's, That's right. We're here to do. Um, but again, thank you for joining me, folks. Um, if you are looking for any information on The Point Being in any of our upcoming or prior episodes, you can visit us on our Facebook page or on our Twitter page where it's, uh, you can find us at, at Being Point. That's at Being Point. Uh, thank you again for listening in to this episode. Uh, for all of us over here at the Arizona Daily Star, I'm Edward Salaya. Thank you for listening in. Have a good one.